Welcome back, everybody, to the Drink and Learn podcast. I am drinks historian Elizabeth Pierce. And I'm bartender Abigail Gallo. And if you listened to the bitters episode, uh, we're still outside. We're doing a double recording because Abigail's in New Orleans. It's a special treat um, with a special friend to be outside uh, in this beautiful city that I called home for so many years. And if you're listening to this, you're listening in, in definitely winter. And perhaps by the time this airs, it will be winter, wintry here. Um, but this is a special, very special episode. Yes. Uh, after school special Ooh, episode. Yes. Because um, we are going to do a little roundup of holiday gift ideas for that special someone who is uh, interested in cocktails or making cocktails or possibly a gift for yourself if you're trying to make your short list for your mother-in-law who asks early what can she get you um, like mine does it's very <laughs> handy right it's like here are the things I like uh, so we have suggestions that are going to hopefully tick every box, whether it is um, whether it's a book, history, or uh, a cocktail making, whether it's tools or ingredients or uh, or what have you. Hopefully, something on our list will um, inspire you. Uh, or make you uh, get online immediately and, and go buy it for yourself. <laughs> and uh, don't uh, worry that you have to hurry up and write everything down or keep pressing pause and rewind um, because I will put the list in the show notes so that you can um, just copy and paste. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with the, this is it for, we'll start with the learning <laughs> and, um, a book, there's, of course, now, there's just tons, well, okay, maybe not tons. There's tons of books about, like, World War II. There's not tons of books about drinking, but there's way more than there used to be. Mm-hmm. And um, most of them, I think, still fall in the category of mixing drinks. Yes, but, still a lot of recipe books out right. there. But there are more and more books about drinking, and um, in the future, we will be will continue to talk about ones that are that are uh, of interest. Um, and actually, as a teaser, not I'm only like barely teasing you that uh, we're going to have a little drink and learn book club in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, where we'll all read a book along, read a book together, and talk about it, and then have the author on so that it. you can. Um, send questions ahead of time. Uh, But I thought that I would talk about a book that let me know that I was like on the right path with this drinking culture, drinking history uh, idea. And that book is History of the World in Six Glasses. And it's appropriate that I am choosing this because um, in 2020, you will hear an interview with that author, Tom Standage. Um, but I didn't pick it just because, <laughs> just because of that. But it came out about um, 15 years ago, and that's when I was getting on this path. I was doing food and drink, but really getting more and more into um, drinking. And it was fascinating to me 
and confirming and affirming that you can really understand global trade and the evolution of agriculture and um, colonialism and yes. all of it through drinking. And it's a very accessible book. In fact, I even learned that it is now part of the AP curriculum. What? Yes. That's amazing. I know. It is amazing. So um, that's my... And I, that's, as a former school teacher, I can tell you there's no, no better authority on drinking than school teachers. <laughs> when I uh, was uh, f- um, emerging onto this path and I was teaching... Um, an ACT prep class at a high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ran out of material because it was supposed to be a six-week course, but I was teaching it over a semester. And one day I just read the chapter on beer because <laughs> it's fairly short and, yeah. it's, you know, it's fascinating. So that's my, um, that's my book recommendation for the person who is a little bit of a history nerd and would like to... It, it's It's a really great introduction to this idea of um, how drinks can be this conduit through which we can, or this lens, drinks can be this lens through which we learn about human culture and history. Excellent. What's your book? Uh, so I was, uh, agree with that, that historical aspect is very, very important. And, um, you know, we are blessed to have so many wonderful authors who've tackled this subject that we know personally. Uh, I'm looking at Wayne Curtis. I'm looking at David Wondrich. You can go back and listen to the Wayne Curtis episode. Yes, too. yes you can. History of Rum. Um, definitely David Wondrich's two books, uh, Imbibe and Punch, really kicked off the the modern cocktail movement and how it kind of really delved into the wonderful history of um, of mixology because that's what they called themselves back in the 1860s. Mm-hmm. They called themselves mixologists and and the rise of the cocktail movement and uh, and that as well. Um, but I wanted to talk about a um, from the production side because I know a lot of people ask me, well, what's a good cocktail book if I'm just like starting out or where should I learn? And I do a lot of trainings with bartenders as well. And there is a, um, a book that just came out um, from Jeffrey Morgenthaler. If you were um, a struggling bartender looking for ideas on how to make your own grenadine or make your own orgeat when you couldn't buy any or, or um, how to run a bar, Jeffrey Morgenthaler's blog was a wonderful resource in the early 21st century. And he has condensed a lot of this knowledge into a book called The Bar Book. And I recommend it for people who are making drinks at home because I think it's very clear and easy to understand. It's um, really approachable. Um, a lot of cocktail books from famous bars or famous bartenders are really beautiful and they have lots of beautiful drinks and they're photographed beautifully but when you actually look at the recipe you realize you're not going to make a lot of them because it kind of requires a full bar to be able to do that and luckily the um uh the the book by the bar book by jeffrey morgenthaler is a lot more approachable also for beginning bartenders there's um one historical book of course there's um, 
a lot of books like Jerry Thomas's um, How to Mix Drinks, a Bob Vivant's Companion. Uh, he was like the first kind of famous bartender in the 1800s. The Savoy Cocktail Book, which was written by Harry Craddock, but we all know Harry Craddock was, if you listen to this podcast, was trained by Miss Ada Coleman, and she created a lot of the recipes in that book. So I do love the Savoy Cocktail Book. These are all books that you can get beautiful reprints from Mud Paddle Books, or if you're lucky, you could still find them on mm-hmm. the um, rare book market and still find some original copies. And uh, the one that I find the most helpful as far as training material that I recommend for young bartenders is The Fine Art of Mixing Drinks by David A. Embry. Uh, he was a, not a bartender. He was a lawyer uh, from uh, New Rochelle in New York, and he wrote this book, and it has its issues, uh, it being dated um, uh, as the you know, 20th century cocktail book in 1948. He's a little racist. Mm-hmm. He dis- is dismissive of vodka mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and a little adversarial towards tequila as well. So you're not going to find those spirits in. But as far as the building blocks for those basic sours and fizzes, I thought it was great knowledge for me to learn as a bartender trying to wrap my head around the building blocks of classic cocktails and how to make them and not just learning them by name but kind of learning them by category sure this this book has been recommended as training material for all the bartenders who have worked at the pegu club so Mm, what audrey saunders says is 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 gold gold in my book so i i really appreciated that book when i was first starting out and it really helped me conceive of um building cocktails from a classic base so i can definitely recommend that and then the other historical book that i thought was really important to mention right now that is a great gift for anyone Mm -hmm. right now is the great good place by Ray Oldenburg. This book came out in the late 80s, but I think it's even more um, important to discuss now because it deals with our isolation um, as a society and the importance of gathering places where a community can be joyful together. And those places can be cafes, bookshops, and taverns and mm-hmm. cocktail bars. And it's w- the kind of place that I strive to create in every restaurant I've ever worked. And I think it's morally imperative that we have these spaces to get together as a community so if you have that someone in your and if you're looking for a good social justice gift I think this is a really important thing that we all get on the same page in creating uh, a community where people can come together so that makes me think of one more um, one more book which is America Walks Into a Bar and that book traces the tavern saloon, bar, whatever, as this place that was a it was a gathering place for community from which a lot of social, political, cultural change happens. Whether and it starts out with the um as the incubator for the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. Did takes, you see Hamilton? Please. Takes its uh takes us on the journey into um, 19th century bars that were places where immigrants could find community, find a job that eventually become uh, political hubs. You know, so you have a a voting block for uh, uh, individual people who might not have power but collectively did. 
Um, it looks at women being barred from taverns and then being welcomed during the wars when mm-hmm. the men were away, and then eventually women um, finding their place, you know, along the brass rail. Uh, it even looks at gay bars as, in particular, not only Stonewall, but like sp- particularly Stonewall Inn, as this uh, uh, source for pride and, you know, eventually the uh, gay liberation movement. Mm-hmm. So America walks into a bar is uh, would be a great companion piece to, uh, to the great, the great good, good place. So. That's the reading. The reading segment. That's one kind we of We love to read. Yes. And books are uh, the holidays. Everyone likes to get Yeah, and books. then you can inscribe in them. And then uh, hopefully that person will keep that book and not, uh, and it won't end up at the uh, used bookstore where every now and then I open, <laughs> I open a book and I see that it was for somebody else. Oh, I think that's kind of sweet, though. I love reading that they were gifts from other people and then they get passed on. Well, okay. They get passed on. So maybe they're dead and now the, somebody has to use it. I mean, if you really like a book, you should share it and yeah, give it to somebody true. else. That's true. It I've always, have to... I've always admired books that have multiple subscriptions in it. I always, when I give a used book to somebody, they have multiple subscriptions. Subscription, multiple <laughs> inscriptions. Multiple inscriptions. That's Thank a you. very New Orleans thing. I thought you were going to say multiple, and also multiple prescriptions. Prescriptions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll reframe my. Uh, my attitude to I kind that. of like that as yeah. someone who I give a lot of my gifts I give I find um through thrifting through mm-hmm. um through you know hunting hunting down something special and unique and sometimes it's an out of print book that's one of the most treasured gifts I ever got well the thrifting is a nice uh that's a nice segue mm-hmm. into our next category of gift which is a tool and Abigail and I conferred before we're not like surprising each other (laughs) with our answers Um, and I have purchased and also received um, vintage cocktail shakers uh, and one in particular is is it called a shaker if it's the glass that you're like stirring in yeah, that's still a shaker. Still that's a, a Boston-style shaker. That has all of these cocktail recipes like oh, from yeah. the 50s printed along the side. And usually there's uh, illustrations. illustrations of some very 50s-looking men and women who are yeah. like dancing. But or also, like roaring 20s with yes. like the bow ties and the bowler hats. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So every time I make a drink in that shaker, I always chuckle because... Um, because it's totally adorable, I and love and those. it's useful. So it's a tool that is useful, but also brings uh, brings a smile. Yes, those are great if you could find those. Uh, and they there's a lot of reproductions, but sometimes you find some classic ones that are great too. Yeah. In addition to um, that mixing glass shaker, which you usually had like a top. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the top had um, uh, cork lined in it, and the cork has shrunk, and you can't really use the top, the cobbler top anymore, uh-huh. which is fine. You could either get a tin that will fit in top, or just use it, like you said, stirring drinks as a mixing glass. Mm-hmm. And speaking of stirring drinks, uh, martini pitchers were definitely a thing for a lot of the 20th century, mm-hmm. and um, they're kind of back in vogue, these mix- mixing pitchers, so you can make large quantity of stirred drinks, maybe your martinis or your 
your Manhattans for a party. And uh, a lot of times they had beautiful glass stir sticks mm-hmm. that went with them. And a lot of those didn't survive. I mm-hmm. found a few where the it was still with the uh, yeah. the stir stick, was still with the pitcher. Even the pitchers themselves can be very elegant. The handle can be very thin. So it's very difficult to find ones that survive. But if you do, they make a great gift. And of course... I speak the um, the gospel of punch bowls as well. Of course, yes. finding a great punch bowl at a thrift store is uh, is a super super fun. But if you are if you live in a small apartment or you're giving a gift to somebody who doesn't have a lot of space, the pitcher yeah. is thi- the pitcher is tiny. The pitcher compared is compared to the punch bowl. Yes, yes, so. that makes a much better gift. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. That's the tool. And, oh, another tool of vintage. Well, I guess, yeah, it's a tool um, that I, well, I bought this for myself. And I I haven't looked to see how rare these are, but I feel like Etsy, eBay, it's got everything, is a travel bar mm. because the drinking laws of America are full of vagaries and you never know especially if you're on the road what uh, what you're going to end up in Uh, a dry county you know maybe maybe have a car breakdown and uh, (laughs) so it looks like a mini Samsonite uh, suitcase Uh, I was telling Abigail this is from a time when ladies used to have their makeup suitcase and 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 uh, which I only know vividly what they look like because it's what I stored all my Barbie dolls and clothes <laughs> in. Uh, but it's a it's a little suitcase and it holds three um, three bottles along with um, you know with glasses, a jigger, and you know the the n- necessary tools for mixing a cocktail. So travel bar. I actually store all my bar tools for events in a old Avon suitcase, uh, Avon sales lady <laughs> suitcase. And I, I, I found it and thought it was so cute and I used it. And then I saw it in a movie um, with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was like, whoa, that's my suitcase. And then I started Googling it and I realized, oh, it was Avon. So that's oh. why there's a lot of them on the market. And somebody actually recognized it when I was carrying it once and said, oh, that's an old Avon suitcase. Oh, that's funny. Um, the one gift that you're going to see a lot that we are actually going to warn you about is a cobbler style shaker. Yeah. So those three piece shakers that has the bottom part and has a cap on top and then a little tiny cap over the strainer. Um, this is, there are still, I know a lot of bartenders who live by cobbler shakers. They love it. Me, I have never been able to feel like I make one work well. They're very frustrating. Um, they, especially that they tend to make a lot of them for gifts that aren't made really well. Mm -hmm. So just the slightest imperfection makes it impossible because once you shake a drink with ice, the metal changes, right? It's going to, it's going to change a little bit. And sometimes it changes so much that you cannot get that top open again. So I received, Abigail knows this because I called her and asked for advice, uh, received a cobbler shaker as part of a set from a Tales of the Cocktail dinner that I went to. It was very fancy. It's a mm-hmm. copper shaker. It's beautiful. Yeah. And Lee tried to use it to make um, daiquiri or a um, margarita the other night, and we could not get that damn lid off. It was stuck, stuck, stuck. Let me ask you, did you, did you leave the cap on, and then you filled the drink, and you put it in, and then you shook it, and then you tried to take the little cap off? 
Yes. Because what I have found is that if you take the cap off and put the top on first, you know, and the air kind of comes out through the little vented area. Okay. And you secure it, and then you put the top on and shake it. Sometimes that makes it a little easier. All right. Well, try we that. will try that. Try that. But yeah, it's still, it's still, it's a pain. It's yes. a real pain. And like I said, a lot of the old ones, you know, have a cork lining in them, and it's all shrunk with age, and it doesn't seal properly anymore. Um, I, I would avoid those shakers. They're just too... Uh, they're too risky. Stick with the Boston shaker. Stick with the Boston shaker. Or, um, you know, I, I like most bartenders at high volume cocktail bars use tin on tin. The Boston shaker with the glass bottom, mm-hmm. a lot of people still use. But honestly, that's really when you're shaking lots of cocktails that's in a bar. Heavy. That's heavy and that's a hard wear on your body. So uh, we use tin on tin, uh, weighted tins, they're called. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I will tell you the secret to getting a lot of fancy bar supplies can be found in one of two websites. Um, The first is Cocktail Kingdom, which of course has beautiful tools, a lot of them based on historical, historically classic tools. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they have a new shaker set called the Coley's that are named for Ada Coleman. Oh, okay. And they're the type of shakers that are illustrated in the Savoy cocktail book. So they imagine it's the type of shaker she used and Mm -hmm. I'm saving up money. They're very, very expensive. Okay. But, or, you know, Anyone out there, you know what I want for Christmas? A set of Coley's. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mom, well, you may Dad, as well call your medal while, while you're uh, asking. Does it, <laughs> is there more than one medal or is it only... Because now they have like copper oh, and rose gold. that's right. And... No, I think, I think there's the Coley's just come in one set, Okay, I believe. Um, but the other... Thing, the other website that mm. I will tell you is a website called barproducts.com. Mm. Uh, <laughs> a very, very basic. Yeah, say, very basic. Not a lot of time spent on creating that uh, name. Yeah. Well, when I first what started we ordering sell? from them, it was very Bar like club oriented and uh. there was like a lot of flare sets and, oh. and a lot of day glow stuff yeah. and like a lot of ashtray stuff. And I was like, what is this? But they have, you know, they have seen the direction that the bar um, industry is going in and they actually have an entire like mixology section now where you can get pretty good um, variations of stuff. There's also a local company in Seattle called Vinsky that I love. So look look locally. I mean, try to, sure. we want your money to go to your local places. So look right. local first and see if you don't have a, a shop near you or a company that's based near you because a lot of people are making wonderful bar tools now. Mm-hmm. So if you are trying to put together like a little gift basket Mm -hmm. for your friend who is the cocktail maven, um, we have some recommendations of basic modifiers Mm -hmm. that can be used across lots of classic drinks. And if you have these in your arsenal, then you can make a whole lot of stuff. And generally, modifiers, liqueurs and such are not quite as expensive as fancy spirits. So if you are, if you want to impress, rather than having to shell out 100 bucks for a bottle of scotch or more, um, you can invest in a variety. Sometimes more is more. Mm-hmm. Um, one product that you definitely want to buy and not have to make is Orgit Syrup, which is an almond syrup that is used in Mai Tais and other things. And at Tails, I was able to try um, some made by the, I guess it's Lieber, L-I-B-E-R, Lieber and Company. And that was very delicious. It tastes like marzipan. Mm, yes. Liquid marzipan. Yes. Um, delicious. And I think they're out of Texas, um, 
but whatever it's the you know there's you can look on the show notes yes they are out of texas um and i can link to them but abigail i think also had some other orgets that she likes oh yeah there's a uh uh, Giffard, which is a, a French company that makes beautiful liqueurs, by the way, as well mm-hmm. for modifying, um, makes a beautiful orgeat. And what's nice is that it's uh, shelf stable. So once you open it, it doesn't have to be refrigerated for bar use. I really like it a lot. Uh, it really, it leans more like a less, less of that marzipan flavor mm-hmm. and a little bit more floral. Okay. Um, there's orange flower water as well in, um, in a um, orgeat, so um, there's you definitely get that floral note, which is nice. Um, I like that aspect of uh, of my orgeats. There's uh, also local companies. Uh, we have El Guapo here. We have mm-hmm. Small Hand Foods in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so there are. Um, uh, you know, look for your local companies right, that are making. Right, you can poke around and yeah. This is and and to couple if you're going to put together a little kit mm-hmm. and you know tiki is so hot right now, why not put together a little mai tai um, kit? The the natural pairing with um, with orjat in a mai tai is um, orange curacao, and um, so there is a difference between something like a um, triple sec. You know, DeKuyper Triple Sec and like a Grand Marnier, right? Mm-hmm. They're all orange liqueurs, but they're all very different in how dry they are. And and Curacao in particular shows up a lot in classic cocktail books. And it's specifically made from these uh, dry oranges found on the island of Curacao. So there is Curacao Curacao. It's made in Curacao. You could see it. Um, and they do make a blue one. If you know blue Curacao, mm-hmm. again, it's a blue orange liqueur. How are you um, going to make your blue Hawaiian if you don't have you blue, don't have orange, blue, blue Curacao? Curacao. <laughs> uh, but I really like... Uh, um, Pierre Ferrand makes mm-hmm. a beautiful dry carousel that's, again, they worked with David Wondrich, so it's very historically accurate for what a kind of classic um, dry carousel would have tasted like in mm-hmm. the 1800s. And, um, you know, the, the basic, of course, is Cointreau, which is quite expensive, but it does come in smaller bottles. Mm-hmm. And um, and there is a Caribbean version called Creole Shrub mm-hmm. that is made uh, from a base of beautiful... Um, uh, uh, rum agricole base so uh, yes there are lots of options there you don't have to get a regular triple sec and if you're putting orgeat and curacao together with a lime um, they have everything they may need except for the rums to make a mai tai and if you uh, aren't going that route to encourage the mai tai you can pick other modifiers maraschino is another um, liqueur that shows up in a lot of classic uh, classic cocktails, mm-hmm. and what uh, is there any other that you think would be kind of key if you were putting a basket together? Uh, of a classic cocktail basket, well, you know we have bitters, mm-hmm. um, and they they do make like little travel size bitters that are great for someone just starting out and wants to try different flavors. Um, uh, well, simple syrup shows up a lot, and I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to buy simple syrup. It yes, of course, it appears. It's so easy to buy in a jar, but it's also really easy to make at home. It's just sugar and water mixed together. 
one cup of sugar to one cup water is an easy one-to-one syrup. But if you really want to be a little bit more professional about it and really want to get it exactly the same consistency that you would find in a bottle, you could buy yourself a little food scale and do it by weight or volume. Mm-hmm. So you just put the sugar uh, in a container, measure the weight, and then just add hot water from a kettle until that weight matches. Or if you're doing two-to-one syrup, you, you do half that. Yeah. And then stir it till it's all dissolved and boom. You've got simple syrup. So one other thing you can put in the basket is uh, something that I love to have in the refrigerator, which is Luxardo cherries. Oh, yes. So they are very fancy, and they're expensive, relatively speaking, compared to, like, maraschino cherries. Yeah. And my friend Stephen Joseph, who uh, ran a bar in Metairie for a while, occasionally... Oh, and Stephen... Uh, so in the Bitters episode, I mentioned that Abigail... Uh, created the signature cocktail for me when I got when Lee and I got hitched, and Stephen made uh, Lee's punch, which is very nice. So Stephen ran this bar, and occasionally his sister would bar back for him, and he would come in, and if he saw her snacking on a Luxardo cherry, he would holler twelve and a half cents <laughs> because apparently that is how much a Luxardo cherry. And so then one time she ate a second one and like gave him a quarter. <laughs> like, Let's call it even. Yeah, keep that in mind when you go to a bar and ask for extra cherries. <laughs> yes, but a bartender needs to really like you. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So and that and they and they really keep too. Yeah. You know, even if you put them in the refrigerator, you're not and supposed then you're... to put them in the refrigerator. Oh, actually. you're not. Yeah. No. They're 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 created to stay self shelf stable. And in fact, putting them in the refrigerator crystallizes them. And yeah. Well, what them. I what I was going to say is that if you forget about them and they end up in the back of your refrigerator, uh, then you can just snack on that sugar, yeah. which is also very delicious. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, but that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, it's always good to know if I. I don't have to put anything in the fridge. Yeah, no, those are those are fine to leave out, which is which is great. We like we like these things; they keep it easy, shelf stable. So the, those are our um, the consumables that mm-hmm. we recommend. And I asked Abigail; I thought it would be interesting uh, for us to share some gift that we received that uh, some some cocktail drinking alcohol somehow related uh, gift that we received. Uh, just, you know, because sometimes people like to know what we like. And you start, you started telling me about your, your glassware. Oh, yeah. So I, I was, uh, my favorite gifts are the ones that always surprise me. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend uh, when I was uh, 21 years old, I was just moving to New York, a newly discovered uh, drinker as well. And I was still seeking out these classic cocktails, which nobody was really making. But, but my passion for it was well known amongst my friends, including my friend Katya. We were in a show together at the Classic Stage Company in the East Village. Mm-hmm. She was in it. I was uh, working wardrobe. And uh, she, she surprised me with a box one day and I opened it up and it was these beautiful, like vintage gold rimmed um, martini glasses. And I was just in awe of how beautiful they were. And I said, where, why, where did you find these? Oh, a little secondhand shop, she said. Mm-hmm. I saw them and I know you're, you love cocktails so much. And they were just 
perfect and so beautiful. And um, if you go to the Ben Paris website, you'll see a picture of three little martini glasses with gold rims and one of our signature cocktails, um, the Lazy Bluebird, which is in a copper bird. And it's it's a beautiful picture. Ooh. And um, it's those glasses, still glasses. I carried those glasses with me from, from New York to Ireland, back to New York, to New Orleans, and mm-hmm. now to Seattle, where they... Um, reside at my bar there because uh, we have a little three mini three martini lunch we do so I was just so touched by that unexpected gift um, because so many times we struggle uh, with being um, heard and I felt like not only um, was I heard I was understood and appreciated my passion was appreciated so I had a recently a boss gave me a gift a, a special um, second edition of a classic cocktail book that I was talking to him about he surprised me with it and it was again the same thing like I felt so honored to not only have been heard but be understood and my passion be rewarded um, I my gift falls under the same uh, in the same category of someone who totally understood me um, and it's a present that I got from Lee so we did a kitchen renovation before we got married and we still got married so um, (laughs) if you've never done a kitchen renovation with anyone um, then you will not understand this but I do think it's worth noting that there are marriage counselors who specialize or couples therapists who specialize in kitchen renovation uh marriage like people who in couples who are undergoing a kitchen renovation and so they help manage the stress (laughs) because unless you can move out you are you know cooking in your crock pot and cooking in chaos and sheetrock and dust and it's off and the dogs get dusty and they carry the anyway so it had been very stressful for a whole lot of reasons and when it was finally done uh lee said you know you pretty much ran point on this and i know it was hard and i got you this present i just wanted to thank you and i opened it up and it was a hatchet <laughs> and it's a carry nation hatchet <laughs> and so the, you should if you guys don't know <laughs> Carrie Nation was a was a figure in uh, prohibition who would ta- literally take a hatchet to bars go in bars yes. and start like hatcheting the bar and just dis- disrupt the bars she was very pro prohibition and um and she was a she massive was, figure she was, in prohibition she was anti saloon yes and she um to make money she used to sell miniature little tiny hatchets and this is not one of those those are harder to get I think they're much more expensive um but she was a very popular figure and so companies appropriated her image and used it for other things and the the Detroit Iron and Stove Company (laughs) made this cast iron hatchet and it has her little round face with her little <laughs> round glasses on it. And it says, cut out the whiskey. <laughs> and if you were using, and it's, just, it's the date on it, 1901. Wow. And if you uh, were using a cast iron stove at that point, then if you wanted to open 
open the oven door, you could certainly use a rag, but sometimes people would use a metal, like a metal hook, because then you're not touching the stove or you might have this like a metal tool. And I think that the hatchet, like it, it fits in your hand in a certain way. And the hatchet has a little hook on the end and made me think that it was useful. Um, it's hanging over our stove right now. I squealed. <laughs> I I was like, what I shrieked find. with delight. And it is worth noting that uh, he had proposed to me way back. And, uh, and I was, of course, you know, delighted. But the level of just <laughs> surprise and delight that yeah. this hatchet created... Um, because yeah, it's like, of course you of you know me like you, know you me. really know me, yeah. and you knew I would. He knew I would love it, and I did, and I do. Yeah, let that be a lesson that you know you don't have to wait for a special occasion to give somebody a present. You don't even have to really know them that well. You just if you know somebody enough to see something that says this would be great for them, yeah. you should go ahead and get it because those little touches of kindness are and and surprise are delightful and they stay mm-hmm. with us forever. They do. Um, so we have we each have a gift for you, which is a suggestion of something to make during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And Abigail's gift is more complicated than mine, <laughs> uh, as which is I think is sort of appropriate. Uh, so I will tell you my holiday drink that um, I credit and I'm, I got to fess up. It's either Food and Wine or Bon Appetit, where I read it. I don't remember, um, but it was suggested as a Thanksgiving drink. Because, um, or rather, it's suggested as a drink if you have a lot of people over and you want people to make their own thing rather than you having to play bartender or even you having to mix something ahead of time. And uh, it's only two ingredients. And one of the ingredients is Averna. So if you don't know what that is, you need to go back to the Bitters and Amaro episode. (laughs) Uh, So Averna is a kind of Amaro. And the other ingredient is dry cider which is not super sweet apple cider. It is a, an alcoholic, pretty you know, generally lowish proof, mm-hmm. right? And often made from apples, sometimes pears. Mm-hmm. And it's equal parts. So you can open the bottle of cider, open the Averna bottle, leave a mixing glass. <laughs> and it's kind of, cider is fizzy, so it has an effervescence, which I think is very nice for party drinks Mm -hmm. everybody loves a fizz and if you're not uh pouring champagne or sparkling then having something that evokes that is is nice so there that's my super easy drink um equal parts averna and cider my drink is also sort of an equal parts drink it's it's based on a a classic uh the last word uh which did we do an episode on we did not do the last word oh that's a great equal parts drink and you you bought some maraschino liqueur maybe Mm -hmm. um and and so and you have some maybe chartreuse Mm -hmm. uh uh, another nice little modifier uh chartreuse uh Equal part chartreuse, maraschino liqueur, lime juice, and gin is the traditional recipe. Mm-hmm. But um, this 
re- recipe in particular was um, the New York Times approached me on creating a cocktail for a specific holiday moment. And um, I pitched a couple ideas, and this pitch did not make the cut, but I love it. I think it's really sweet. Um, that not, special... not sweet tasting, but no. sweet. The, the story is, is sweet. The story is sweet. So the idea is um, you're a couple with a young child, and this is the first Christmas that you guys have to kind of stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning putting together that rocking horse or that train set or um, that Barbie doll dream house that Barbie doll dream house (laughs) whatever it is that complicated gift that you've gotten your child you're staying up late together to build this to create that magical moment for your child in the morning and so I wanted a celebratory drink but that also gave you some energy and stimulation so we're instead of gin we're going to use tequila Mm -hmm. um, because that's a kind of a nice wonderful bright um, spirit um, that has a little bit more you know gets you going but you're using it in small amounts I said equal parts we're talking about a half ounce each of these ingredients tequila Mm -hmm. fresh squeezed lime juice maraschino liqueur and green chartreuse and then top all of that off with a good glug glug of uh, sparkling wine because you're celebrating a milestone as um, as a family as a couple and I think these moments should still be uh, at least they were in in the vision that I had of my parents and the kind of parent that I wanted to be. It's still a very romantic, uh, wonderful time, and you should celebrate it and perhaps get a little amorous under that Christmas tree right next to that Barbie dream house. Uh, and my response was, if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're still constructing your Barbie doll dream house, you are probably not feeling very romantic. <laughs> you're probably like, we have to get this damn thing built Kids so, are we gonna can, be up in two hours. so we can sleep for three hours. Uh, so maybe it's the drink for the next night when uh, when it's all over. You can all over. kick back and put your feet up uh, in your new slippers well, or something. This yeah. could be why I'm uh, I'm I'm only self-committed and don't have a partner because I've never found anyone who can keep up with me, Elizabeth. Uh, maybe so. <laughs> but uh, if anybody, if anyone actually implements this uh, at three o'clock in the morning in the midst of oh, your train assembly, I forgot the name of the drink. It's called the mistletoe. Oh right, that's why it's yeah. the sm- uh, smoochy 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 smoochies. Um, anybody, if any, if anybody, if anybody out there makes this. <laughs> Please let us know the results with with discretion, of course. Yeah. Uh, Keep it family friendly, please. Right, right. So, um, whatever you are doing or celebrating or not celebra- celebrating uh, this holiday season, we hope that it is a. Um, I hope I it's have- filled with love and grace and community, and I hope it's filled with warmth and joy and some good drinks. And yes, plenty of good. Yeah, drinks. actually, if it's not filled with love, warmth, <laughs> joy, grace, or community, then uh, the drinks may not completely mitigate uh, that. But uh, but a good drink goes a long way. It does. It, it really helps. helps 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 the situation. Um, so have a great holiday season, and we will be back in 2020. Enjoy the holidays, my friends. Cheers, y'all.